Um, and so for our scripture reading, uh, we, we are going to look at Psalm 23 uh, for our, our um, scripture reading uh, because it's one of those psalms that we see a, a guidance from the Lord. And that's, that's kind of going to be the theme, I think, for uh, what we, we discussed tonight uh, is kind of seeing how the Lord can guide us through the, the good times and the bad. Uh, we know that this year we're, we're putting a lot of stock in it being a, a year that uh, there's, there's a lot of new life. But we know there's also going to be some things we got to adapt to. And so it's important for us to see who the Lord is in the midst of that. Uh, and so our scripture reading comes from Psalm 23 tonight. It's entitled, The Lord is My Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Love that. One of my favorite psalms, Psalm 23. Uh, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Uh, oh, Lord, you are our shepherd. In uh, good times and bad, and in times where we know there are green pastures to be able to be calm. Uh, there is uh, still waters to be able to drink our fill. Uh, God, those are good times, peaceful times. And God, I pray that in the days ahead, we would have plenty of moments like that, where we can just bask in your presence and know that you are near. But we also know that there are times in our lives where we are in the valley of the shadow of death. And we need to know the presence of our shepherd in those moments too, if not all the more. That your rod and your staff, that they would comfort us in the times when we need you the most. And that those, those times show us uh, that dependence is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it shows us how much we need you. And so God, I pray that this psalm would just introduce what we're going to talk about tonight, of leaning in to your grace as you provide new life. Uh, God, I know that there's a, a lot of potential in the future for every one of these people that you have gathered here tonight, that they have plans, they have ambitions, and, and they're good. But God, I pray that you would teach us how do we handle those things when we don't know what tomorrow looks like, when there's great uncertainty on the horizon. God, would you teach us how can we guard our heart and, and how can we ask God-sized things of you, a God who is willing and able to do something about it? So God, would you, would you bless us tonight as we, as we discuss from your word what you would have for us in this year, 2021? I mean, God, would you be worshiped as the triune God who is Lord of hosts, um, who's willing and able to impact our lives for your glory and for our good. 
God, would you be worshiped tonight? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And if you're doing our YA Bible reading plan, uh, you are familiar with 1 Samuel uh, as of late. Uh, that's where we started our reading plan this year. Um, and so it's, it's no coincidence that uh, tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel. Uh, because in my, my quality time with the Lord, as I was spending it last week, um, January 4th, our, our first reading, Samuel cha- 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, just it's it spoke to me uh, right here at the beginning of the year, and uh, and so I, what I want to do tonight is is kind of host a, what what's called an inductive Bible study. Uh, with an inductive Bible study, if you're taking notes, this will be helpful in your own personal reading. Uh, and with an inductive Bible study, the the thing the, the three things you're looking to do is observe the text, interpret it, and apply it. So that'll be helpful for you to know. That's that's kind of the order that we're going to go in tonight is we're going to observe the text, we're going to interpret, and we're going to apply it. And so that's what we're, I'm going to kind of model that for you. As you're going through your own reading plans or you're doing the YA Bible reading plan, uh, I really hope that will be helpful that, okay, I don't just read this to read it and check off a box. I read it because I'm going to gain from it. I'm going to gain insight. I'm going to glean from the word that which God would have for me to glean from it. And what I'm going to do is use my own life as an example, and then we're going to apply it together to you as individuals. Um, that, that's my goal for tonight. And, and there will be occasions for you to engage tonight. That's, that's not normal. Normally, I'm preaching a sermon, and I would love to go uninterrupted. Uh, uh, but tonight, feel free. Like We're, we're going to go through this together. Um, I know that's going to require some boldness from some of you, but uh, I know that some of you will jump at the chances of that as well. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to do the whole chapter, 28 verses, but I'm going to do my best to read it in a way that won't bore you to sleep, but will help you to read, engage, make notes, and think through it, and see what the Lord wants to teach you tonight. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? 
And why do you not eat? And, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought to the, the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to teach our hearts tonight. Uh, Lord God, thank you for scripture. Thank you for what you've revealed in this narrative about the beginnings of the prophet, priest, judge, Samuel, and the faithfulness of his mother. And Lord God, your faithfulness to provide a life where only you can. 
and to provide for your people. God, would you help us to, to learn from this passage and then apply it to our lives to see you for who you reveal yourself to be and that we would live accordingly. God, would you teach us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the first part of an inductive Bible study is, is observation. We want to observe some things about the text. Now, for this, what I would recommend is keep it simple. Uh, you want to say some simple things about what's going on in the text, like some obvious things that stand out to you. Some of you probably took note of some, some different aspects of this, of this story. Uh, you might have taken note that Elkanah had two wives. Why do we see that in the Bible? Well, we know that the Bible's filled with bro broken people who live broken lives. And that is by no means the ideal, is it? In fact, we can even look at this narrative and see the reason why we don't condone polygamy, don't we? We see the rivalry between Peninnah and Hannah. And we say, yeah, that does not work. You might also notice something simple like Hannah had no children. Hannah had no children. She was a barren woman. And what might that have entailed in a culture, a shame and honor culture, that, that judges a lot based on whether or not you can have kids? What else? What else do you observe about this text? Be bold. Something obvious, something simple. There's a priest in it. Yeah, Eli. Eli who had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. What else? Yeah, that's good. So what she said was that you could, you could see the, what would probably be the best word, it's kind of a prejudice that Eli shows towards Hannah by thinking she's drunk. That says a lot about the people who would probably come in to that place, that the priest was not used to seeing a woman pray and weep bitterly to herself before an almighty God, Lord of hosts, that there could have been people who entered that place um, in a blasphemous sense, or that he's just not used to people being that honest before the Lord of hosts. Yeah. What else? Yeah. That's good. Hannah knew who to take her problems to. I find it very interesting that she is without children, and yet she worships the Lord of hosts. Now, in my own time, I, I had to kind of do some study of, all right, what did that word hosts mean? Like, why, why is he called Lord of hosts? And it's interesting, in 1 Samuel, this is the first time that phrase, Lord of hosts, is used. And so you might have been like me. You might, have think, you might think, okay, hosts, I, I kind of, I don't know. With all my understanding, I think that that means that he's over the, like, countless angels, right, of his armies that he can call upon to do his service at any point in time. And there's some truth to that, but it's, it's kind of inaccurate because it, it loses the scope of what it's really saying there. That host, that Lord of hosts, is synonymous with plentifulness. 
numberlessness, that God is not limited in his resources, right? He, he is the creator of all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the Lord of plentifulness, and yet a barren woman goes to worship him, take her offering and her sacrifices to the Lord of plentifulness. It's beautiful. And we can kind of put ourselves in her, her place of how we, we want to we be present with the God who's able and willing to do all things. What else? Any other observations? Yeah, yeah, for sure. She made a vow to God. Yeah, keep, yeah. You were gonna keep going. She and she kept it. So last semester we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you probably expected to go through this, finish out the Sermon on the Mount. It's coming. Um, but we talked about oaths, right? What Jesus taught about oaths and keeping your word and keeping your commitments. And we talked about the tragic vow of the judges uh, where, where one said he was going to, to give up his daughter, right? But this is a beautiful vow, isn't it? Now, we see later on she has some trouble kind of keeping it, right? Like any mother, she might have wanted to hold on to Samuel. And we can understand her wanting to do that. Um, but that's where her husband comes in and supports her and says, look, I support you in your decision. But he says, may the Lord establish your word, right? She made a vow and she kept her vow. That's right. What do we think of Elkanah, her husband? It's not the most important detail, but he did say it did say he loved her. And I think that's that's an encouraging thing that you can love someone and still mess up. Because he doesn't do the best job of comforting his wife, does he? When you look at verse 8, at the end of it, he says, Am I not more to you than ten sons? That's not the problem, Elkanah. Like, he doesn't do a great job comforting his wife. But I will say this. He gives her a double portion to worship the Lord. He encourages her faith. That she would offer up sacrifices to the Lord of hosts. He does a good job of that. And he supports her in her decision to follow through with her vow. So it's comforting to see that. What was the condition of her coming before the Lord? What did that look like? We talked about how she knows where to take her problems. But it's messy, isn't it? It says in verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And then when she's explaining herself to Eli, she says, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. If we can know anything about the human experience is that it's messy. And some of you might be thinking that I got to clean myself up before I come to God. And that's not what we see here. We see the mess. And it's good for us to be encouraged to see I can be messy and honest in front of the Lord of hosts. 
He wants our messy prayers. He wants our honest prayers. Anything else? All right, let's move on to interpretation. How do we interpret? Now, we just noted a lot of simple and obvious things, some more than others. Some took some study, some didn't. But what we want to find with the interpretation is the truest thing here. It's called authorial intent. That sounds like a, a big phrase, but I promise it's not that. It's very self-explanatory. We know that the Bible was written by human authors as inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's called dual authorship, that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, inspired human authors to write what they write, so it's exactly what God wants it to say. But we also want to see, why did the human author put this in here? Right? In the context, this is telling us about the beginnings of Samuel, the one who the, the book of the Bible that we're looking at is named after. So why would he include this about his mother? Why would he include this part in the origin story? The messiness of it. The honesty of it. I think we've got to look very, I think the most important verse in here is verse 11. Where she says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Right? It's, it's a prayer. We see that to be true. But what does this show us about God? It shows us that God is willing and able to produce new life where only he can. If only we would remain open-handed with our requests. I think we have that on the screen. Zach, can we put the last slide? It should be the, the, the main point. If we can have any main point for tonight, the Lord of hosts is willing and able to produce new life where only he can. If only we would remain open-handed in our requests. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see this go down. But I can visualize it. I can use some holy imagination here to think about what did this look like? With Hannah pleading with the Lord, pouring out her soul, the text says in verse 15. I picture her being open-handed the entire time, bringing her offering and her sacrifices to the Lord, pleading for the Lord to produce new life where only he can, and saying, Lord, whatever you do produce, I'm going to give it back to you. So it's, it's important for us to note that it's not just that God is willing and able to produce new life. A lot of us, we know that. But, but why is her petition approved? It's because she's open-handed. She's not gripping, trying to keep whatever she can out of this. She's open-handed, knowing that the Lord of hosts is plenty. He's, 
He's the Lord of plentifulness. He's good to give. And so she's going to give. So that's, that's the interpretation. Right? And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of study. You've got to narrow in what's the most important, important part of the chapter and the passage. That, that takes work. And so that's why, that's why we do the hard work to study our Bibles, to get to that place of interpretation. Because what we do with that is we apply it. And that's where the life transformation takes place in us. And so I want, I want to use my life as an example here. When I found that out, what did I do with it on January 4th? That is, that is continuing to do a mighty work in me. I looked at our ministry, at the position of our ministry, and said, Lord, I've seen a refining take place. And I've also seen a dwindling take place. And God, what I'm asking you to do is to produce new life in our ministry where only you can in a way that only you can get the credit for it. And I'm learning what it means to be open-handed with everything. What do I bring to this? Offerings and sacrifices. Everything. Everything's before you, Lord. This is what I want to see you do. Produce new life in our ministry where only you can. And keep my hands stretched out the entire time. So that only you can get the glory for what comes. I'm telling you, I prayed that last week and it's messing me up. In a great way. Because it's showing me my dependence upon the Lord and my trusting him. Because I'll be honest, I've been a pastor for one year, and I'm, I've kind of saw myself gripping at some things, clinging to some things that I want it the way I want it. And I've got I've to be open-handed with everything. With everything. So that means me taking small steps every single day to say, Lord, how can I be open-handed with what you want to do? And walk one step at a time, one step at a time in obedience and faith of what he's calling me to. And so I was reading a book and letting that speak into my life alongside what scripture's saying, having a secondary reading that's also speaking in, doing a work. And the Lord is giving me a vision for our ministry. I don't have all of it mapped out, but I'm getting one piece at a time. And I'll tell you how I know it's from the Lord. It's because it's showing me how wrong I was about stuff that I assumed last year. And it's punching me in the gut. And I'm having to reflect and say, where did I go wrong? And how can I course correct? And it's leading me back to what the Lord's showing me. Be open-handed. Be open-handed. And so there's going to be some things that are going to change in our ministry moving forward. Not everything's going to change, but there are going to be some things. And so I'm asking you, would you join me in being open-handed? That if we are counting on God to produce new life in our ministry, then it's worth it for us to keep our palms wide open facing the heavens. Because we're counting on the Lord to do the work. The Lord of hosts, of plentifulness, of numberlessness. 
So that's just a little glimpse of what the Lord's doing in me through this text. So let's, let's move it to you. Let's move it to you. If you see this, the Lord of hosts is willing, to be able, willing and able to produce new life where only he can if only we would remain open-handed with our requests. We are people who want something. You want something. And you may be in a spot right now where you desperately want something. It's okay to take your request to God in all of the mess and all of the honesty. Let him know, Lord, this is what I would like. And we talked a lot about anxiety uh, last semester, about minding your anxiety. Does the Lord want what you want as badly as you do? It's a good frame of reference for, is this a good desire? Does the Lord want what you want as badly as you do? And if the answer is yes, make your petitions known to God. That's good. But here's the important part. Are you being open-handed with it? What happens when things don't go according to plan? Welcome to 2021. <laughs> things aren't going to go according to plan. We are going to have to adapt in faith. And so I think, this, I think what this message is for you tonight is preparing you for what's to come. The Lord's telling you, be open-handed. Make your offerings, make your sacrifices. Be, as Romans 12 says, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And make your requests known. You have good desires. Make them known. Now, he may not give you exactly what you want like he gave Hannah this son. It might look different than what you expect. And glory to God, he doesn't always give us exactly what we want. Praise God. But this is the process right here. We have a God who is able and willing to do whatever he desires, whatever is pleasing to him. And so we can make our requests known to him if only we would be open-handed. So I don't, I don't know what that looks like for every single one of you. And so you've got to figure that out. We've got to take some time for you to kind of figure out all right, what, what is my request? Is it just that I would stay safe in 2021? That's a good request. Make it known to God with open hands. Maybe some of you want to be in a relationship. That's a good desire. Sometimes when it becomes an ultimate desire, it's a bad desire. But it's a good desire. Make it known to God and see what he can do. Some of you want a job, a different job than you currently have. Make your request known to God. Be open-handed with it. You've got to fill in the blank. I can't fill it in for you. That's why we go to our Bibles by ourselves each and every day for ourselves to meet with the triune God of the Bible, that we would read Scripture, observe what happens in the text, interpret what is the, the principle to be found and treasured in our reading that day, and how can I apply it to my life in a way that messes us up to the glory of God? 
I want you to know I care deeply about every single one of you. And nothing I said means I'm dissatisfied of the past year of getting to pastor you. I feel honored to be your pastor. I want you to know that. And I want this year to mean something to you. And I'm trying to protect you. Because I don't know what's to come, and neither do you. There's so much uncertainty. And so let's guard our hearts and keep open hands. Whatever's going to come, the Lord is good. The Lord of plentifulness is good. And he cares for you way more than I ever could. I was reading today. I'll end with this, and we'll, we'll pray. I was reading today in Psalm 35. It's an imprecatory psalm. It's one that David's like, I think it's David. <clears throat> He's just basically trashing his enemies. <laughs> but he gets to the last part. In verse, uh, I can look at it. My Bible's right here. Psalm 35, verse 27. He says, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. If you count yourself as a servant of Jesus Christ, you can trust not only that the, the Lord is great, but he seeks your welfare. He is good towards you. And we know that in the gospel, don't we? That maybe even if you wanted to look back at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and say, where's the gospel here? Well, we know someone else who gave their son up. Our father gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place for our sins, to atone, to create right relationship, new life where only he can. That's the gospel. That you would receive new life by believing in the saving work of Jesus Christ, the perfect son who was given. That's the gospel. And that's what we cling to as Christians. I don't know if you've received that for yourself. If you've ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and experience ultimate new life. But if you haven't done that tonight, I want to invite you to. To pray to receive Christ. To admit, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. And I live in a broken world. But I want a perfect Savior who lived the life I could never live and died the death I deserved. That's the gospel. She would be born again and have the Holy Spirit come and live inside you. We cling to that every day of our life as Christians. Great is the Lord. He delights in seeking the welfare of his servants. Let me pray for us.
Lord of hosts, Lord of plentifulness. We trust that you are capable and you are willing to produce new life where only you can. We're counting on you to do that. And each and every one of our own specific situations, with our own desires, Lord, I pray that these are good desires that the saints in this room are lifting up to you right now, saying, Lord, would you produce life where only you can? Would you approve my petition just as you did Hannah's? And God, I pray that they would lay out their hands open-handed with you, Lord, saying, I'm going to make my request known to you, but I'm also going to be open-handed with whatever comes. I'm going to make those offerings, those sacrifices of my own life and say, whatever you give, Lord, I'm going to give back to you. That, Lord, if you do produce that new job, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to live for you. If you do provide that partner, that boyfriend, that girlfriend will hopefully be a husband or a wife. Lord, I'm going to give that back to you. I'm going to give you that relationship. I'm going to live for you in my marriage one day. Lord God, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a call to ministry. God, would you give me the answers I'm looking for, and I'll give you that back. I'm going to live for you wherever you send me to the ends of the earth talk to whoever it is you put in front of me, and I'm going to give them the gospel. I'm going to give it back to you. God, would you hear their prayers? Would you do a mighty work to produce new life where only you can in their lives? God, I pray the same for our ministry, that God, you would do a great and mighty work in our ministry to produce new life that, Lord, I can't get the credit for, nobody in this room can get the credit for other than you, the one who is present throughout all of it and planned it from before the foundations of the earth. God, would you produce new life in our ministry and in our church that only you can get the glory for, for your namesake, as Psalm 23 says, for the glory of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. God, would you be honored and praised by the the many prayers, the many requests that are being lifted up to you right now and moving forward. I pray that people are just as inspired as I am when I read your word. God, would you be blessed by the people in this room as we live for you, as we live open-handed lives, giving everything we got to you. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.